You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. As the price of Bitcoin gathered momentum in 2017, a whole new demographic was attracted to the emerging cryptocurrency space. They were, for the most part, young. They were smart, computer literate, and in many cases, evangelical about the changes that blockchain technology would bring to all of our everyday lives. At the same time, another demographic found themselves in Bitcoin's tractor beam. Those who saw instant, guaranteed profits in an asset whose price only went one way, up. Many of these people had no experience of buying and selling shares. Many of them had no real understanding of the technology underpinning cryptocurrencies or any great desire to learn. They just wanted to get rich. Now, as the cryptocurrency universe comes under attack from regulators, hackers, and what is an inevitable cooling of the frenzy which raged red-hot just a month or two ago, it's time to take a look at some of those who found themselves in Bitcoin's powerful magnetic field to see just how the future might look. This week, on Adventures in Finance, Crypto Traders. Today is the 1st of February 2018, and welcome to episode 52 of Adventures in Finance. To my right, all together now, producer Jay. How's it going, guys? Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, as always, Jimmy, good to have you here in this tiny little room where we get so close to each other. Uh, slightly further away, and certainly not within arm's reach, is Alex in New York. Are you there, Alex? Come in, Alex. Can you hear me? Hey, Grant. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you, old boy. How's the weather in New York? I always like asking when I'm in the Cayman Islands. It's uh, it's a little rough. It's it's down fifteen twenty, but uh, I, I think it might go up to twenty five this weekend. So I'm gonna really get outside and enjoy right. it. Maybe just the one scarf this weekend. Yeah. Um, now this week we have a lot of stuff to get to because we are going to talk. Put your helmets on, gentlemen, about Bitcoin once again. Uh, it's a subject that just won't go away. And this week we thought what we would try and do is introduce you to some of the people who have got themselves into Bitcoin for all sorts of different reasons and in all sorts of different ways and have left all sorts of other things behind them to become cryptocurrency traders. Among our guests today, you'll find a lawyer, a professional poker player, a DJ, and a former buyer from a major department store in, of all places, sunny Australia. But before we get into our main feature, it's time for our long and short segment. And uh, Alex, I'm feeling particularly generous this morning, uh, so I'm going to let you go first. Great. Uh, so this week I am long sleep. Oh, if only. <laughs> uh, interesting story that over the from over the past 13 years uh, through 2016, Americans are getting another 18 minutes of sleep a night, which is actually pretty good. We're, we're, we're up uh, somewhere around 8.3 hours a night. Well, the problem is this this averages out. So for, for every 18 minutes that someone's getting, someone's losing 18 minutes. Uh, and I suspect I'm probably giving people about six hours cumulative uh, every night. That's, That's very generous, Grant. Why, now, why is this? What, do, do, uh, presumably, these scientists, normally when they release these uh, studies, there are reasons for it. I, it's either going to be because red wine is good stroke bad for you. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't eat chocolate. Um, and uh, what's the other one? Bread. That's normally uh, up and down. Like, yeah, what's the reason for this extra sleep? 
Yeah, you know, one of the things that's batted around is that a lot of the things that people could only do at a specific time, such as watching TV, a a huge uh, use of time, you can now choose when to watch TV more. So instead of having to wait up uh, and watch the program you want from 10 o'clock and ending at 11 o'clock, you can just watch a little earlier, maybe finish it in the morning. So Finish 18 minutes to 11 and get those extra 18 minutes sleep. Yeah, exactly. You watch the eighteen last eighteen when you wake up. So, um, the idea is maybe people are are watching it on their own time and not staying up to watch things. So, it has some actually interesting ramifications for the media business too. And it's not just a story about sleep; it's also a story about how Americans are using their leisure time differently. Yeah, I, right now there are thousands of people with small children throwing things at the radio <laughs> right now, demanding these extra eighteen hours, uh, extra eighteen minutes of sleep back. Well, my long this week um, is New Zealand. Uh, now, I have a great affinity for New Zealand. I think there are a lot of fantastic, it's a beautiful country. I know some wonderful Kiwis. Um, but a story uh, I found this week about uh, New Year's Eve uh, in, the, in, the, in the, apologies, Kiwis, Tairua Estuary on the Coromandel Peninsula. And apparently uh, there were a group of New Zealanders who built an island, a sand island, about uh, 50 yards offshore so that they could drink in international waters and avoid a ban on alcohol uh, <laughs> drinking in public over New Year's Eve. Now, the best part of this story is not the ingenuity of our Kiwis. And if you, there's a picture on the line. If you go on the BBC website, um, bbc.com, and search New Zealanders build island in bid to avoid alcohol ban, you'll see a fantastic photograph of them all sitting out there with a bench on a tiny little island they've constructed. But the best part of this, um, and I'm going to read this just to make sure we get the full throw, is the attitude of the authorities. So it says, the group drank into the night on New Year's Eve, watching the fireworks, reported New Zealand website stuff.co.nz, and the construction was still intact on Monday morning. A ban on public drinking is in force in Coromandel over the New Year period, and those violating the ban face a fine of $250 or arrest. But authorities seem to be taking the initiative in light-hearted spirit. That's creative thinking. If I'd known about it, I probably would have joined them, said the local police commander. God bless him. Now, that sort of attitude, I think, by the police should be indulged a lot more around the world. So this week, I am long uh, not only the ingenuity of Kiwis, but also the attitude of the Kiwi law enforcement mm. uh, community, which I think is exceptional. be nice to have a private drinking island, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, this, I, mean I don't think the construction cost would have been much for this thing. I mean, it's literally a pile of... Uh, a pile of sand with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people sat on a bench <laughs> drinking their hearts out. So God bless Kiwis. Um, all right, short, short time, short time. I'm going to take a chance here and let you go first because if you've taken my short, I'm going to be really upset. Uh, well, I, I chose another island, so I hope, uh, I hope I didn't. I'm short Bermuda. Ah, okay. But hang on, you're short Bermuda or Bermuda shorts? <laughs> I'm, I'm short Bermuda, long, long Bermuda shorts, of course. Okay, all right. So a story about... Um, Siberia that kind of interested me. There's uh, in Omalon, Russia, which is on somewhere up in up in the Russian outpost of Siberia. The temperature reached 38.4 degrees on Monday. Uh, now, in, in can, can you convert that for people in the old? School? Yeah, it's about it's about three degrees Celsius. Okay, three degrees Celsius. So okay. so above the freezing point, which is pretty incredible for Siberia. Actually, the temperature uh, is I think a hundred more than 120 degrees warmer than it was just two weeks ago. Okay. So uh, highest temperature ever recorded up there in Siberia. And I don't know. I mean, Bermuda's nice, but but if the temperatures keep rising in Siberia, maybe people will take their beach vacations there instead. Well, mate, listen, if, <laughs> if you want to get into the market and set up a pairs trade, short Bermuda real estate, long Siberia, I will very, very happily take the other side of that. So as much real estate as you want in Siberia, I'm more than happy to sell you in exchange for your... Uh, for, more, for your land in Bermuda. That's a nice, easy one for me. There is a lot of it. There is a lot of Siberian There uh, is a lot. There land. is a lot. And you are welcome to uh, as much of it as you'd like. Just uh, every time you want a smudge of, uh, of uh, Siberia, I'm going to want a little plot in Bermuda. That's very, very nice. You're on. Uh, my short is, I'm short of Jeremy Corbyn's marbles because I think huh. he's finally lost them completely. Um, there's a story this week in an interview he was quoted saying that uh, uh, if Labour get into power in the UK... Uh, the Labour Party will buy a house for every homeless person in the UK. Now, it's an extraordinary story, uh, and obviously the problem of homelessness is a serious one, and it's on the rise, not just in the UK, but uh, all over the US as well. But this idea that you can buy, they estimate 5,000 houses on day one when they're in office and give them to people 
um, and that will solve a problem is is laughable. I mean, let's let's game this, shall we? You, you you buy a homeless person a house. How are they supposed to pay the bills, maintain the upkeep, keep the lights on? Uh, to say nothing of the obvious problems with spending um, public money to buy 5,000 citizens' houses and the cost of the whole thing, which uh, given the housing prices in the UK would be astronomical. So I, I think these ideas uh, that are being bandied around have a certain appeal to um, perhaps certain demographics amongst the voting public, but they are sheer lunacy. So uh, this week I am short Jeremy Corbyn's marbles. Do you, do you think maybe instead he should just buy them tiny islands? Well, or, or, well, I, I think, as I said, the construction costs were minimal. So, But yeah. I don't see how building 5,000 tiny sand islands off the coast of the UK uh, is a solution to any problem, frankly, well, particularly as the UK police wouldn't take the laissez-faire attitude of the Kiwis, I suspect. I, I think you're just worried about your Bermuda long. I, mean, I, I have no problem being long Bermuda, trust me, trust me. I'm more worried about you and Bermuda shorts, frankly. It's a, it's a site that I really don't ever want to see. Anyway, enough of this Enough of this nonsense. Let's get in to our feature for the week, which involves, drumroll please, James, put the sound effect in there, Bitcoin. Everywhere you look these days, you'll see stories about Bitcoin, and a lot of them focus on the massive influx of people coming in to trade cryptocurrencies who know nothing about um, financial markets, but they are attracted to the technology, which I completely understand. Uh, it is revolutionary stuff, and they are attracted, obviously, by the fact that the price seems to go up every day. And just like uh, every price bubble, um, I'm doing it again, I'm baiting, I'm poking the badger with a spoon, just like every price bubble in history, these things, this is how they feed themselves. The price goes up, more people want to make money, so they they keep buying these things, and the price keeps going up until it doesn't. Now, we're in the middle of a major correction in Bitcoin uh, at the moment. This The first month of this year has been very rough for cryptocurrency traders, all kinds of negative stories about regulation and hacks and all kinds of just about everything that could possibly go wrong for cryptocurrencies has gone wrong in the first uh, month of the year. Um, but they're still around. And so what we wanted to do was talk to some people who uh, have become cryptocurrency traders and, and talk about how they got into it, what their thoughts are, and try and get a sense of the kind of people who are being pulled in by the uh, tractor beam of cryptocurrency profits. So we wanted to get as wide a cross-section as we could of who is investing in cryptocurrencies and what else they're doing with their lives and, and what made them interested. So first, we just allowed our guests to introduce themselves and, and tell us what they do for a living. Um, my name is Guillermo Joya, and I live in New York City. I'm a, a professional network marketer. My name is Brian. I work in the financial services industry. My name is Joshua Burlow. I'm the founder of the International Psychogeography Institute. My name is Zach Resnick, and I am soon to be a fund manager for a crypto asset fund that specializes in early stage investments in clean energy and financial services. My name is Abdul Rahman. I live in New York, and I work in the financial industry. My name is uh, Steve Kowski. I am a global manager of technology for an industrial design group. Uh, my name is Sarah Lewiton. I am also known as Ultra Girl, uh, which is sort of my, oddly enough, my professional name as a writer and DJ. Uh, and I'm a music director for a fashion brand called Aritzia. Rich Portali. So I'm an attorney, uh, and I do primarily criminal defense. Then... All of our guests told us how they got into cryptocurrencies. What I noticed is um, I kept receiving advertisements on Facebook over and over and over again regarding Bitcoin. So I started receiving a lot of ads and videos and, and a lot of stuff. So I just got interested in the topic because I just kept getting flooded and flooded by so much information from it. So that's how you know I became aware of it about... Um, in June of 2017. I like to play video games. And I was uh, looking around at what video card to buy. This was like when Bitcoin was about $7. And there was this webpage at the time that ranked the video cards by how good they were at mining Bitcoin. And as it turned out, the older, cheaper cards were better at mining Bitcoin than the new, more expensive cards. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll just buy a video card 
an older one, and I'll, it'll be able to run all my games, and I'll be able to mine this stuff called Bitcoin, whatever that is, you know? I first got interested when I was staying at an Airbnb in Tel Aviv uh, with someone named Yuval Ruach, and he is the one of the founders of the Bits of Gold Exchange, which is the largest exchange, and at the time, I believe, the only exchange for shekels to Bitcoin. Uh, I've been following crypto for a while. I remember reading an article in te- on TechCrunch years ago when Bitcoin went from $0.10 cents and it jumped all the way in the few hundreds. And I, I remember saying to myself that, wow, it would have been a great opportunity if I would have bought when it was just trading at pennies. And that's what would really pique my interest into learning what cryptocurrency actually is, what is Bitcoin, and what is its value. Um, I remember tracking it when it was going in a few thousands and seeing, and then telling myself, how far can this really go? And then when it crashed back down, I said, well, that was my answer. I, I, I did not think it would pick up the way it has um, from that point. Well, I kept on hearing about Bitcoin a couple years ago, um, just various places. I'm a pretty, I'm, I spend a lot of time on Reddit. So I was often hearing about Bitcoin on there uh, and seeing it in the front page a bit. And uh, one of my friends uh, named Brian Batcher kind of got me turned on to it. He mentioned it a few times, Bitcoin here, Bitcoin there, and I kept seeing it on my Facebook, but never really thought much about it. Just, I'm not, I'm not a trader. I don't, I don't trade. I don't, I had some stocks. I got rid of them. So um, I, it never really seemed like something that was within my reach. Um, But obviously in the past year, Bitcoin has become more of the forefront for everybody. Oh, I should mention a couple years ago, I saw this like thing. I I don't even remember where I saw this. It might've been on Twitter. It might've come in through my Twitter feed where someone tweeted about Bitcoin and then they earned like a quarter, like 0.25 of a dollar um, for tweeting about it. And so I I did the same. I tweeted about it, forgot about it, copied my blockchain info or whatever it was that I was supposed to copy, and recently looked at the quarter that I had uh, went to go look for the quarter that I had earned on this tweet a few years ago, and it had turned into $7. And I was like, oh, shoot, (laughs) I should probably uh, pay more attention to Bitcoin. You started to see more and more and more of it. And I just, I kind of have, I'm a bit of a maverick, and, you know, so I just... The more I started to read about it and the, and the technology behind it, the more I started to realize that it wasn't going away. And so I just figured I might as well dive into it. And for the you know for the percentage that I was going to invest in, it just made sense to just throw it in and, and see, you know and watch it watch it happen. Because once you make the determination that something's not going away and it's, and is, is kind of revolutionary and or disruptive, um, and it's and it's here to stay, it's kind of a no brainer. It's interesting to me that some of these people got in because of the price move and some of these people got into technology, and it's really two separate groups. Like the person who started mining the Bitcoins because he was interested in video games, it's a completely different way to approach this asset than the person who maybe saw ads on Facebook, which, by the way, Facebook is now banning the ads, or the person who just realized how much money they were making, that their friends were making from crypto. So just such a wide variety of ways that people get involved in the modern world. It's not like you all hear about it from the same place and then you get involved from there. I mean, the, the beauty of this and perhaps the curse at some point in the future is the simplicity with which anybody can really get into trading cryptos. I mean, it, mm. it's remarkably simple, you know, which is great. I mean, that's, uh, that's what the internet is supposed to do, take down barriers and, and give people the ease of access to things like this. But Unfortunately, what tends to happen is when people are given this sort of latitude, they they tend to lose an awful lot of money. And um, whilst there are plenty of super smart people who've been in from day one, uh, who, or, or who despite the fall this month, are still uh, have their heads above water, there are going to be plenty of people. And this is this is the way uh, these things work. At, at the at the very height is when most people jump into these things by definition. And so, uh, you know, once people do start losing money and once uh, the repercussions of that start to be felt, then that freedom tends to go away. Um, Authorities tend to get in and and stop people losing money. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here. 
um, in terms of of sort of reparations or adjustments made to how people are allowed to access the cryptocurrency market. So next up, we wanted to get a sense of what our guests' uh, cryptocurrency portfolios look like. Okay, so I'm looking here at that, uh, the current um, cryptocurrency portfolio, and it's approximately 20 different coins that I've been you know, purchasing and accumulating. Okay, so it will be um, Bitcoin, Lendcoin, Serum Labs, Railblocks. Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum, Ripple. Tron and Stellar. Digibyte, Pivx, RDN, Seabank. Bitcoin, Ether, Stellar, Link, Civic, Factum, Basic Attention Token, WeTrust, Mobius, the Lyft Token from Winding Tree, and UpToken. PAC, ICOT, XBY, Dash. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Gollum, Ripple, Tron, and Stellar. Funcoin, Dragon, APX, Safex. A little bit of Bitcoin, some Ethereum, Stellar, Cardano, and Ripple. There's a they have a small position in that. Equihash Miners, Zcash, Z Classic, Bitcoin Gold, anything with Equihash in it or Crypto Knight, you know, hashing algorithms. Bitcoin Gold, Paragon Coin, Litecoin, Einsteinium. Okay, so the currencies that I own are Bitcoin. Ethercoin and Litecoin. XLM, Gold Rewards, and Redcoin. Well, if you just go back to a couple weeks ago, there was a massive correction. So right at the top of that correction, uh, you know, I unloaded every, all the I unloaded every altcoin I own and converted it all to Ether. So I'm basically sitting in Ether right now, um, and I'll start to now just pepper the landscape again with you know some of the altcoins because they've already they've all corrected yeah it's interesting that we generally when we talk about cryptocurrencies uh we generally talk about bitcoin obviously it's the biggest one by far but these people are seem to be a lot more excited about these small coins i I think based on the idea that they could see much bigger gains in, in these things that are trading for for pennies and that most people haven't heard of yet yeah this again this is uh this is a familiar pattern. Uh, I think they're probably right in many cases. You know, you buy the things at a penny; uh, they don't only have to go to three pennies, and you've tripled your money, which is a very appealing idea. Right. But also, a lot of these things will end up worthless, unfortunately. Now, the next question we wanted to ask these guys is, uh, well, I guess almost literally the sixty-four thousand dollars question, and that is where everybody thought the Bitcoin price was going, and the answers were interesting. I think that I mean right now we're seeing since. It hit what nineteen thousand, or is a roughly nineteen handle at the near the end of the year. It's been trending steadily downward, and I think it's continue going to continue to do that. But I think you'll see a floor. You know, just again, this is a an unscientific guess, but I would imagine we'll probably see a floor in the nines. Um, I think that there's a bit of like a psychological um, floor when you see something in like you know, nine thousand, nine five hundred. Um, people will continue to see buying opportunities, and you'll you'll probably just see a range for at least the next few months of nine thousand to maybe twelve thousand. Uh, longer term, it's hard for me to gauge. I, I I can see it breaking above eighteen, nineteen again, but I don't know what the catalyst will be for that. Oh man, who knows? Um, because of the recent popularity of Bitcoin. Sometimes the transaction time is horrendous. Like it can take, you know, eight hours or 12 hours or a day for your Bitcoin transaction to go through. And that's really scary because you've sent your Bitcoin and then the receiver hasn't received it. And it's it's lost in this Bitcoin limbo called the mempool. And that's a problem with Bitcoin is that is that the transaction fee the transaction times can take a long time now and so other cryptocurrencies might might jump in to um to exploit that weakness in bitcoin and so bitcoin might it turns out that even though bitcoin was the first it might end up not being the best 
for the long term, which is frightening to me because, you know, most of my crypto portfolio is in Bitcoin. But when I became aware of this mempool program problem, I started to realize that maybe there's alternative coins that could be better, you know? Uh, I'm very bullish long term on the Bitcoin price. I don't think we're ever going to see a 10,000, 20,000% return. But as I'm sure many of you listening to this are familiar with, uh, the argument of Bitcoin as more of a store of value than a medium of exchange, and how for many of the, the ways people look at gold or other precious metals as a store of value, I think Bitcoin does an even better job than that. Uh, and also, while I think a poor medium of exchange, especially compared to assets like Ryblox, uh, still does that better than many traditional fiat currencies. So I think using the, the gold market cap as like a rough metric of where the Bitcoin market cap uh, could go, I think is a, is a good metric. So with with that, we'd see a roughly you know $425,000 price per Bitcoin. I only follow Bitcoin just to try to keep an eye on like what the market is doing or is, you know, has done and is going to do. Um, yeah, I don't like, I don't love nothing I say should be taken as investment advice, first of all, because I'm just a lawyer. Um, but I don't like Bitcoin. I think it's, it's slow. It's costly. It's, you know, it's, it's just Bitcoin was the first to market and that was great. And it was a, extremely disruptive and revolutionary, but you know, at this point there are much better technologies out there. So I don't see how any, uh, I don't see how companies are going to be signing up to implement Bitcoin processing. Like I don't see what, other than just being a, a, a currency, I don't see the utility in it really, if that makes sense. Yeah, th that was a really interesting one because it, it's when you're not really sure how to approach a market, par partially because you came to it a different way and maybe because you're not an experienced investor, it's just interesting the kind of techniques you rely on to figure out where the price is going. I mean, some people say they can't really determine exactly where it's going. Some people have a, a clear way to decide based on the, the value of gold or something like that. It's just interesting to see what kind of tools people are starting to craft really for themselves to, to figure out this asset. Well, prices, obviously, that's the big question. I mean, because uh, there are plenty of people that are into this because of the technology. Um, but the vast majority of people who, as I said, have been kind of pulled into this by this, this crypto tractor beam are in it because of the price. They've read about the price going up. So it, it, obviously, it's a key focus. What's arguably more important, certainly to me and, and where my interest has been drawn lately, is understanding whether people think Bitcoin is in a bubble. Um, and again, I'm going to be quite clear, crypto people, uh, I think the technology is revolutionary. I think the price has been in a flat-out bubble. Um, the current price action would suggest that that bubble is deflating. But frankly, who cares what I think? Let's find out what I guess think about whether Bitcoin is in a bubble. Well, the, what, what I found, because I had a lot of people ask me that same question, what I figured out is that a lot of the population has heard the word bubble, but they don't really understand what it means. So I actually did go into it and, and looked at what exactly a bubble means. And my understanding of a bubble is um, when you have a market that is currently like at 3 or $4 trillion, which is what happened with the dot-com bubble, that the market of all these dot-com companies hit $4.3 and then the same thing that happened in the real estate market. So this is, you know, trillions of dollars worth of assets. Currently, right now, um, the entire cryptocurrency market is only at 500 billion. So when you compare what a bubble means in like a monetary sense, a number sense, this is the the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency market is only at like one percent of what an actual bubble really means. So a lot of people say bubble. But when you compare, compare, you know, $500 billion to $4.3 billion, which was an actual bubble really means, um, they will understand that Bitcoin is not in a bubble. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So this is the thing that I try to tell people when I discuss Bitcoin. Um, I think that there are many classic examples of um, of, of a price bubble. Um you know, when you look at 
the the rapid rate of growth in terms of the price of the asset itself. If you want to call Bitcoin an asset, um, it's just a it's a, a dramatic super growth for oh, hyper growth for lack of a better term. Um, and then when you look at some of the other um, occurrences that are that are happening right now, so um, one there's a higher incidence of fraud that you're beginning to see, which accompanies every um, bubble, or I guess that are, that accompanies every bubble and the subsequent popping, is that you see higher incidences of fraud. You're hearing more and more stories uh, of, um, you know, fraudulent accounts being opened, and um, and governments now trying to get ahead of that and trying to crack down. Like you hear about South Korea not allowing any new accounts, and I think that's their attempt to mitigate. Um, the influence that fraud will have on the markets you know, impact, obviously. Um, and just other things like you hear of, um, I, for, I apologize, I forget the name of the company. That was that like Long Island iced tea company in the last month that changed their name to Long Island Blockchain. Like that's, that, to me, that's absurd. That's another example of uh, a bubble, a present, a bubble being present. And so what I've been telling people is, um, it's okay to be along in a bubble, but you should have a disciplined approach to your position. So, for example, when I put in my first time in Bitcoin, uh, I told myself either this is going to double or I'm going to lose half. And when it doubled, I said, okay, in the same approach, your limits up, so to speak. So either you're going to have 100% growth or you're going to have 50% loss. I hit 100% growth. And then you, you either just go back to your original 500 bucks in my case, or it goes from 1,000 to 2,000 in terms of my P and L, in terms of my market value. So, so like it's just a trailing stop, I guess, for lack of a better term. So, like if it's continuing to rip upward, I'm going to capture that value, and eventually, as it comes down, I'll have a a higher quote stop loss, so to speak. Um, And so, I think that's the single best approach one can take if they're convinced they're in a bubble, right? Hey, if it's in a bubble, everything's going in one direction. So ride that wave. And if it looks like the, the, you know, the house of cards has fallen down, then get out at the right time and you won't get burned. But yeah, I think we're in a bubble. I think we're in a massive bubble. Uh, no, no, I don't because, um, there's only a limited number of them, you know? There's never, there's only going to be 23 million ever made, and that's not very many. So I think that, I think that, in other words, this whole, this whole mempool problem, they're going to be a store of value, but they're not going to be great for um, transactions, just like gold, right? You can't take a one ounce gold coin down to the 7 Eleven and really buy anything, right? It's going to be the same thing with Bitcoin. You're gonna use the other cryptocurrencies for 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 common transactions, and you're gonna keep the Bitcoin stored somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So what's a bubble, right? Bubble is you're assuming that the underlying you can solidly value the uh, asset underneath it, right? Whether it's a company or whatever, there there are no fundamentals with an investment like this right now. So. You can't. It can't really be a bubble by definition. So it's it's kind of a weird thing to ask. Um, will these prices come back down? Yes, but when? I have no idea. They could triple or quadruple before there there's a correction, right? Um, it's it's not like a single focused entity, right? Um, with it's the United States dollar or the U.S. It's a it's a global thing that's going to be impacted. So it's it's really really hard to predict. I don't think it's 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 a it's a little uh, difficult, I would say. I, I'm saying that if you look at the the dictionary definition of of a bubble, right? It's it's based on it's it's higher. It's a significantly higher value than what the fundamentals would explain or or would show, right? Well, with this, there are no fundamentals with it. So, you know, you you I can't really tell you what the value of a Bitcoin is per se. Uh, I don't see Bitcoin. I don't know how Bitcoin, I, I, I mean, listen, I'm not an expert, but I don't know how Bitcoin gets 
back to 20,000. I just don't see why anyone would buy it. Um, but crypto, uh, you know, like, so the, you know, like kind of my, the, the, the coins that I listed and like what I, what I like. And, you know, I think the crypto market in general um, is not, is in a, a very small bubble, but I don't, I mean, it's got to plow through with corrections. It's got to plow through 2018, I think. I really do. I think there's a lot of room to grow in 2018. Yeah, so I, I don't want to be uh, rude to our guests in any way, but I really found the argument that since Bitcoin has no fundamentals, it can't be in a bubble quite interesting. <laughs> it, it's uh, it, That was a remarkable statement. You know, I, 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 when I look at the chart of Bitcoin and you look at the, you overlay it with the, the, the classic bubble wave, you know, the argument uh, against it being in a bubble is always the same. People say, look, you know, you can't compare Bitcoin to tulips. It's not tulips. And Bitcoin is not Japanese equities. It's not Japanese real estate. And it's not dot-com stocks. And I totally agree with that. But the thing that people miss is that what that chart shows, what that bubble wave chart shows, is not an asset. That chart shows human emotion, pure and simple, mm. which is why it applies to every single bubble, um, because every single bubble is driven by human emotion. And and in any bubble, people rationalize price gains, um, and uh, and they find ways of, uh, of of reasoning that this time is different. A, it never is. Um, and and B, I agree with you. That was one of the more creative ways of uh, explaining that, that this is not in a bubble that that I've ever heard either. It was fascinating. So finally, we asked people how they see their crypto portfolio changing over time. Um, yes, um, you know, based on on my age of. Um, of 35 years old, I do believe that um, as I progress, you know, in age and, you know, in my career, that um, the, pro the proportion of the cryptocurrency portfolio is going to increase. As um, I used to invest heavily before in the stock market, but um, I was getting like 5% a year in some positions, and now you can get 30% per day with um, some of these cryptocurrencies. So um, I think for me, it's going to be an entire 100% um, change from stocks and bonds going, you know, investing that way, going to 100% into cryptocurrencies, because I do believe that this is going to be um, the future of money. And this is where everything is flowing now. So I think, in, you know, as I get older, everything is going to be strictly, you know, cryptocurrency. I would say that... I have a greater risk appetite in the um, in the short term um, because, I, I, admittedly, with crypto, I'm just speculating. So, do I think that crypto, the underlying technology, has the potential to have long-term value? I do, but I think you're going to see a considerable, you're going to see a dramatic fall. You're going to see the bubble pop before anyone really focuses on, okay, what can blockchain do in the long run? Um, so because I anticipate a bubble popping, as of right now, I'm just you know, I'm taking on a great deal more risk than I normally would because I'm just trying to capture that short-term gain and then get out. Well, I've never gone out and bought cryptos. I always mined them. So, you know, I'm, I don't consider it it's weird because even though it's part of my portfolio now, I never bought any really, except that one when it was fifty dollars. But I'm uh, and so I, I consider it like like kind of the icing on the cake of my portfolio. But it's not something I look at like I watch interest rates or the gold price or my ETFs. So I just kind of have it there. And um, if it goes up, it's a plus. And occasionally I might use it to buy some bullion online. But the only way I think it could be really a game changer is if I was a, a, an international traveler. If I, if I traveled more than I do and I, and I wanted to have a ready source of funds no matter where I went, I think I think that um, cryptocurrencies would be interesting in that in that respect. What I'm waiting for is the next 
correction in the market, so then prices can drop, so I can put in more money into the few cryptos that I have my eye on. So I would say within the next few years, it could probably change between, I would say, 50 to 60 percent, especially if cryptos giving you more returns than, like, let's say, blue uh, blue chip stocks that are in my portfolio. I I don't know how much uh, I'm going to move into the market right now. Right now, it's it's kind of trading sideways a little bit, up and down. There's not a lot of significant direction either way. But I need to kind of capture some of these gains that I've already seen, and, and they have been significant um, before I'm going to move anything more in there. You know, there's some people doing wild things, taking out mortgages and doing, you know, kind of insane things. But, uh, but at least to me, maybe it's totally rational in their position. I, I don't know. For me, I... I I, yeah, I would push in a little bit further if if I believe there's going to be a significant uptick. I, I'm really interested to see what uh, something like Stellar's 2018 is going to be, right? When their their Fairex exchange comes online, and they're able, you're able to go from cash to any asset. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of funny. I guess maybe this is partially my personal bias, but I expected people to say, "Yeah, so this is something I'm doing to make money for a couple of years." Um, and now I'm going to try to use the same research to find stocks to buy or something like that. But it shouldn't be surprising in, in hindsight, but people are really true believers. I mean, they they see their crypto portfolio uh, rising over time and their allocation to crypto rising over time along with it. They, they don't plan to, you know, back down from, from where they have it. So... It, well, I guess the, the beauty, if the price keeps going up, their allocation increases anyway, which is, which is right. great. That's the right way you want your allocation to, to increase. Um, but it is. It's it's really interesting because why I'm so fascinated by this is we're bringing a whole bunch of people into what essentially now is a financial market. Uh, you can look at it any way you like, but anything where people are buying and selling stuff on the on the basis of price is essentially a financial market. Throw in the futures contract, and um, mm-hmm. you can pretty much put a bow on it. And so, uh, getting a sense of how people. Uh, think about financial assets, how they uh, think about the price, think about um, what's going to happen from here, I, I find truly fascinating because it really is only through experience of these things that you can learn lessons. Uh, even reading books on history, which will tell you what, what has happened before, it, it's only once you, you see the lessons of history applied to your own portfolio and your own investments that it really resonates. So um, it's going to be absolutely fascinating what happens in the next sort of six to 12 months in the space, I think. Yeah, and if we do see the prices continue to decline, as we've seen, and and if if really we've seen the top for all time, and prices just go lower and lower from here, I'm curious how it'll affect the way people invest, you know, later in their life. A lot of these people are in their their mid 30s or so. I'm I'm curious if it'll uh, cause them to be too conservative as they get later in life and say, well, I'm not buying anything risky at all. I'm just going to keep my money in cash, which obviously is probably not a great investment uh, idea either. Well, the, th- the thing is, you know, to me, uh, Bitcoin blockchain technology is going to be around their entire lives. I don't think it's going away. And so yeah. this is really a question of uh, of the time you get in and time preference. I think for, for the people that we've spoken to, putting some of your portfolio in, in blockchain and just putting it away, you know, the, the famous hodlers. If you, if you mm-hmm. buy Bitcoin and, and stick it somewhere with a 10-year time horizon, I think that's a very smart thing to do. Um, and along those lines, we had an extended conversation with Jackie Markey from Australia. Jackie was uh, a former buyer of a big department store down in Brisbane, and we wanted to get a, a more rounded sense from her of how she views at the crypto space. So let's listen in on that conversation. Um, all right, well, Jackie, I mean, I guess the, the sensible thing for us to do is just uh, to, to just get you to tell your background story and you know, what you were doing before cryptos, how you discovered them, and then I guess the lead up to the decision to stop doing what you were doing and, and concentrate full-time on cryptos. Yeah, no worries. So um, I was basically I was told about Bitcoin back in 2010. Uh, I had no idea what it was, and a friend of mine had been on a um, an internal flight, and they were just reading an article in a magazine on the plane. And in there, someone said, "Oh, there's this new thing. It's Bitcoin. You should buy five bucks worth and put it away." And um, they came to me, and they're like, "Oh, you're into." all the new stuff, you should check it out. And in my head at the time, I'm thinking, why would you go to that much effort for five bucks? Like, you'd put a grand on it. Um, but I never did anything with it. I never looked into it. Um, so obviously kicking myself now. 
Um, but yeah, then a few years later, um, I'd sort of heard the word thrown out a few more times, but again, never looked into it. And I've worked in um, retail my whole life. So um, I was a buyer for um, some of the big companies in Australia and um, Foot Locker was the last one I was with. And um, so we kept pretty busy with that sort of thing. So again, hadn't looked up into it. And then when I left Foot Locker and I was doing property development and you do a lot more research online. So I was online a lot more and then it started popping up and a friend on Facebook had started posting a few articles about it. And one day I just had some spare time. So I just started looking into it. And then I was like, you've got to be kidding. This is brilliant. This is like, I'm a huge believer in the technology and also just everything that it stands for. It's, it's, just the way of the future in my opinion like it's something we've really needed like bank transactions take far too long there's so many fees and it's just it's not concurrent with everything else like the world is moving so fast and we're all evolving and and banking and money just wasn't and it's also just too controlled not from a um, I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing with my money type thing, but just how those big organisations and, and the people behind them seem to be able to manipulate things so much more and you just don't really understand what they've been doing and how they've been able to control it until now. So once I've started looking into all this and, and seeing how it all came about, that's when I got a lot more understanding in exactly what was happening before and and how even more important it is that this is enabled. Um, so as soon as I sort of dipped my toe in, I just went, I have to know everything about it. It's sort of like one of those opportunities that you don't know how long it's going to last before it becomes mainstream. And obviously there's not, it's going to be more transactional rather than an income producing um, opportunity. And, I just feel like if I don't take advantage of it now, then I'm going to be kicking myself even more. Um, so that's when I sort of parked everything else I was working on and I've sort of gone full headstrong into this, just researching, um, signing up with all the different exchanges, learning about ICOs, dipping my toe into a whole heap of different coins. And it's all been really positive so far. I haven't had any really terrible experiences I haven't lost any money um, anything like that so I'm really enjoying it um, J- Jackie had you like, prior to this had you been someone who had invested in stocks and shares or you know was it was finance something that interested you or just not at all no not really I'd been um, I'd had shares but it was a managed fund that you know it was like one of those long-term things that my not a super fun, but just a managed one where I sort of put a hundred bucks a month away since I was like 14, right. your parents set it up all for you and all that sort of thing. And it just went into this mystery account that someone else looked after. And then in 2011, they just went, yeah, well, we lost all your money. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's, that was a great experience. And I sort of never touched them again since. And um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't, go down the path of having anyone else control my money um, personally because I can lose it all on my own. I don't need to pay the fees to (laughs) lose it for me. Um, And obviously we've got super um, out here in Australia that's all managed by someone else and that will be my next sort of endeavour is to um, do a self-managed super fund and and see what I can turn that into because obviously at a very minimal earnings. Um, it's a pretty slow boat for that to turn into anything being yeah. managed by someone else as well. Let, let me let me ask you then, because I, as I've looked at Bitcoin, I've been in financial markets for thirty plus years. I'm aging myself here, sadly, but uh, it's the reality. <laughs> um, uh, and and what I've found in the last couple of years is there are two there are two groups of people, and the Venn diagram where they cross is very very small. There are long term finance people who really understand how financial markets work. Um, 
how pricing works, how human emotion f- affects prices of, of, of assets, stocks, bonds, commodities, whatever. And there are people who are incredibly technology, uh, technologically savvy who really understand Bitcoin but have no exposure to financial markets. And, and as I said, the Venn diagram that crosses where you have experienced financial markets people who really understand blockchain technology is very, very small. And so you've got people who understand Bitcoin that can't have any idea how they will function as a part of, of markets. And you have the other side, old gray-haired guys like me that can't understand Bitcoin. Um, how have you found taking the plunge into Bitcoin and then having to essentially immerse yourself not just in blockchain technology but into financial markets and try and understand how financial markets will affect the price of this technology which you've bought into? With great difficulty. I think um, that's probably the financial side and understanding like futures and um, how all of these things are affecting the pricing is something that I'm definitely just learning on the go and it is the most difficult because it's like every single time the price goes up or the price comes down, there's a million people writing a new article that they're putting out saying why it's gone up, why it's gone down and it's really hard to sort of quickly pick up and learn, which I'm sure others have worked in finance for years to understand some of these things so it's been quite hard but if you're a buy and hold um, strategy like I am it's a little bit easier because as long as you've picked something that you believe in and I'm really good at understanding the technology side of um, a product and understanding issues within categories like medical or retail or whatever it is and and seeing how the technology is going to impact them so I just go okay yep I can see the issue I can see that this is an awesome product if it goes ahead and so that's what I'm willing to put my money behind and then if you just don't look at it every day it's a lot easier like I know okay that's cool I'm going to park that for 12 months and see where I am then I'm not one of these people that are there every sort of 20 minutes refreshing going oh my god it's just gone up oh my god it's gone down type thing because I'm not looking at it going oh yes I've just made x amount of money because it doesn't work like that like it could be there today it might not be there tomorrow but in a couple of months that's when I'll sort of go okay they're hitting their targets they're developing whatever the technology was, they haven't got huge competitors, it's still looking like a solid investment and go from there. But it's quite interesting the way the market is running at the moment. There are so many people that are just completely green, have no idea what they're doing. They're jumping on and you see them in the Facebook groups and they just go, okay, I just rolled out of bed this morning. I've got $2,000. I want to invest in something. What do I do? And they're just waiting for other random people on Facebook to tell them what to invest in, which is quite scary because you can see people purposely making up like incorrect coins, like ones that are tanking just to be horrible um, and others that are going, no, no, do this, do that. But yeah, there are so many of them that they're actually driving a lot of the market. So as soon as a coin sort of lists at one cent, you can almost guarantee that because of the buying price, regardless of the technology or how many coins are circulating, that it will go up because there's just such a huge number of people that are just going, oh, it's one cent, I've got to make money on that. And yeah, the volume of those people are actually driving the market at the moment. I'm curious if that kind of makes you nervous. I mean, it, it, that not, not to editorialize, but that kind of sounds like the situation uh, of a bubble where people are just buying because um, other people are buying or other people are promoting it. I mean, as someone who's invested so much of their money, but also their time in, in cryptocurrencies, d- does that make you nervous that, oh, you know, maybe this won't last forever and and and, and it, that'll be really bad news for my investment and, and my also my my life in terms of all, all the time you've spent researching it and, and investing in these cryptocurrencies? Like, 
I'm just kind of curious from a personal standpoint, what it took to make that decision to focus on cryptos full time. And if there are things that make you think, hmm, maybe that was not the right move. Um, I'm kind of looking at it as though this might be a three-year gig. Like I know there's so much 2018, like this year is just going to be phenomenal for the crypto space. There's going to be so much of these crazy ups, downs, um, movement in all of these altcoins, money to be made, um, and all in crazy ways like the one cent is just taking off for absolutely no reason other than that they were one cent and that type of thing. Um, 2019, I'm expecting that we'll start to see some of the um, altcoins that have made promises or, or come out and haven't had a stronger technology behind them start getting overtaken by some of the others and we might start seeing some fall off the face of the earth, which will be a big shock to a lot of people because we haven't seen a coin really just fail and, and wipe out yet. So um, that will start to scare off a lot of the um, the investors that have sort of just jumped in just to make money um, really quickly without the knowledge behind it. And um, and then I think we'll as we move on from there, it will start to see the real um, rollout within the the world space type thing. So we'll be able to actually spend and start u- utilizing currency as it's as a currency rather than as a investment piece. As we start to see it become more mainstream, and um, then I guess I'll have to sort of find the next avenue of, of where this blockchain chain technology and, and all the projects that are going on, what my next thing is that I'm going to focus on because once it becomes mainstream, that sort of money-making side of it will be over, but hopefully there'll be a, a project or some sort of direction that I've sort of resonated with and I can follow off and move into that direction next. Let, let, let me actually ask one more question, which is... Um... It, it, it's cool that you have a, a forecast and you've really thought about how this could all play out with maybe a, a more of a rise and then a drop and then a, a bigger rise. But if it turns out that you're wrong, like if if because financial markets can do things we don't expect, of course, and if it turns out that all the cri- cryptocurrencies in your portfolio fall 50 or 60 percent overnight, I guess, how will you react to that? And it, it, both on an emotional level and Will will it change your plan for doing cryptos full time, or just kind of curious how that would would play out in that counterfactual scenario? Um, even if well, we've just dropped fifty percent. Pretty much, my portfolio sure. is halved, and I'm still not in the red yet. Um, so, I guess any money that I've put into it is for investing. It's if it all went tomorrow that would be unfortunate but it's not gonna change my life um like i said it's spare money that i've put into it i'm not looking for it to pay my rent or anything like that i'd love it to take off so that i can use that money and do another investment property down the track or um look at starting a new business or something like that. But if it doesn't, I'll just find something else that will make me that money and um, another opportunity. It's just, yeah, like I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think there is a need for the product. So I'm sure all the coins aren't going to last and some of these are like the round one of the technology. So You know, we all have more than one grocery store. Um, We all have more than one bank. We all have more than one everything. So I'm expecting some duplications to come out and and maybe the Mac 2 version of Ethereum will be better than the current one or whatever. And that's when I think I'll appreciate having spent so much time in the crypto space because at least I'll understand that. It's a lot easier at the moment to be doing a lot of the, the learning because we've been lucky with it having such strong gains so far that if you mess up, you can kind of recover fairly quickly. 
Um, but as we get further into it, it's going to be a lot harder to recover if you make a mistake. And that's when at least I will have been in it for a, quite a time and, and have the knowledge and hopefully have enough sort of safety net set up that I don't lose everything. Right. Jackie, it was, it was absolutely fascinating. You know, I, 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 I applaud your bravery in diving into this thing and I applaud the really level-headed way you're approaching it because, as I said, as a financial markets veteran, I've seen this happen so many times and, and it's always a case that managing the mental side of this is is the place where people fall down. So uh, I love your perspective on this. I think it's, um, it, it's, it's an incredibly smart way to look at it and you know, I, I wish you all the best. I hope, uh, I hope this works out extremely well for you and, and that development property turns into something that looks a bit like the Gold Coast for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. So there you have it. I mean, it, it's fascinating to me. It's, it's, the story has everything. And, and to, to go from one thing, make a bit of money, move into property, and then move into Bitcoin, it's, it's a story as old as time. Now, Jackie's done a fantastic job of doing that. Um, you know, I, I, I sit from my unenviable position of being a 51-year-old man looking back on what I've seen over my life. And, and I have seen this stuff happen before. Um, and that's not to say it, it always turns around and bites people in the butt, but but I've seen it happen so many times now that I, I'm always on on guard for that. And maybe with the optimism of youth and that and that fresh faced approach to this, it's it's a much uh, more comfortable place to be, being being optimistic about the future and having these sky high dreams. But I, you know, everybody I speak to who's made a lot of money in in cryptos, I keep begging them to take some of it off the table, and and you know put it in the bank or you know, convert it into gold or do something with it so that if this does all come crashing down and we, and we find a mean price much lower than where we are now and then it gradually starts to appreciate, uh, they've at least made a little bunny money out of it and, and haven't suffered any pain. Yeah, I, I will say, I think one of the things I learned this week was just the how infectious the enthusiasm is for, for cryptocurrencies. That. It, it, I mean, going going back to uh, discussing stocks or bonds in, in the in the next weeks might be a little tricky because the the, the excitement and, and energy that the bulls have on on Bitcoin, for instance, versus that the bulls have on on stocks, where they're like, yeah, the <laughs> earnings are that. strong. Yeah. It's it's a different animal, and and no, it's and so true. I, I see how it could become addictive. It it, it it's, it's so true. It's a fantastic point, Alex. I mean, it, this is a real. It's a belief system, and anytime you you get right. a belief system, um, it, it really does generate this kind of enthusiasm. And you know, I'm I'm all for enthusiasm. I just uh, I, I just hate the thought of people uh, losing a lot of money. So I, you know, I'm I'm as I said, I, I'm I'm tempered by caution, <laughs> earned the hard way through experience. Hmm. But uh, blockchain technology is going to be around for a very very long time, and it really is the future. And I hope that all our guests today. Uh, end up uh, very, very wealthy and living on their own uh, private islands off the coast of New Zealand, hopefully not built by themselves. <laughs> well, sadly, that is all we have time for. How time flies, Alex, when you're talking about cryptocurrency. It's extraordinary. Uh, before we go, just a quick reminder, the legal disclaimer. Everybody take a deep breath and join in with the chorus. Anything you heard on this episode should not be considered as trading advice. These are our opinions and, of course, the opinions of our contributors. So do your fundamental research, chart your technicals, place your stops, and always trade responsibly. That's never been more true as it has in this episode. Indeed. Wise words there from producer James. Wide words. Uh, next week, we're going to go back to the traditional investment world and look at uh, bonds. Basically, question is, is the bond bull market finally over? From Bitcoin to bonds, two ends of the pendulum. In the meantime, between now and next week, if you have any interesting questions about this week's show uh, or Bitcoin, we'd love to hear from you. So please, please do send us an email or leave us a voice note at podcast at realvision.com. Meanwhile, if you've enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes. And even if you really enjoyed it, leave a review. Leave those reviews. If you want to leave two reviews, nobody's going to stop you, frankly. So go ahead and leave them. If you want to keep up to date with the latest interviews, research publications, and of course, podcast episodes, then please follow us on Twitter at Real Vision. We are also in on Facebook and the dark recesses of LinkedIn. <laughs> Search for Real Vision. You can follow me on Twitter at TTMYGH. You can follow me at Aces Rose. And you can follow me at AIF James. That's it from the three of us. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next week. Bingo.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.